Welcome to the 169th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Walter Mosley. Stay tuned for the interview. The Reading and Writing Podcast is sponsored by the book-loving nerds at Riffle. Riffle is an online book community that connects readers with authors and books that they'll love. Readers use Riffle to find the next book that they want to read. And authors use Riffle to make their books stand out and drive sales. Join the Riffle community today at rifflebooks.com. That's R-I-F-F-L-E-B-O-O-K-S.com. And look for the link in the show notes as well. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Walter Mosley, the acclaimed author of the Easy Rollins Mystery Series. The author of more than 43 critically acclaimed books, Mosley's work includes literary fiction, science fiction, political monographs, mysteries, and a young adult novel. Mosley is also the recipient of the PEN America's Lifetime Achievement Award. Walter, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Sure. Well, your new novel, Jack Strong, has just been published. If someone listening hasn't heard about Jack Strong yet, how would you describe the novel? Well, you know, it's a it's a modern day uh, Frankenstein story. It's it's taking the 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 issue of uh, of creating an individual out of many people, and uh, but the the what I've added to it, or you know. Yeah, I guess what I've added to it is that he's aware of all the different psyches uh, that that comprise this this new this new person. Basically, basically, a really a new person, and uh, there's an internal struggle going on with him where he's uh, trying to to satisfy some of the needs that these these parts of him had before they died, and uh, then he has a problem in the world because. Uh, there are people who think he's a monster and want to get rid of him. Well, do you remember the original idea or impetus for writing Jack Strong? Absolutely not. I honestly, I, I just so sat down <laughs> one day and started writing, and um, you know, and 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 basically, I I was, I, I mean, I'm assuming because you know, what else would it be? I, I starts off with the voices, just these uh, unembodied voices in in, in this uh, speaking. And you don't even know, I don't think I knew at the time, that they were in the same person's mind. And, uh, and then a- after those voices were there, uh, the idea or the need for Jack Strong came up. And is that your typical writing process, to, to sit down and just kind of organically kind of uh, find the story? I don't really have a typical writing process. There are different, I go about different things in different ways. Sometimes I, I'll think of something like with the Socrates Fortlow story saying I want to create an African-American philosopher. Where would that come from? Sometimes I come up with a title like you know, my new book, Debbie Doesn't Do It Anymore. Or, um, you know, sometimes I'll be writing a mystery. And so there I know pretty well who I'm going to write about, what I'm going to say, and I even outline. So I have all kinds of different ways of writing. Sure, sure. Well, well, currently in science fiction and speculative literature, there has been a definite increase in writers from diverse backgrounds, including African-Americans. And those writers are exploring themes and characters unique to their experience. However, I'm sure you're aware that when you were growing up, there weren't that many African-American science fiction writers. And I'm just curious, were you 
actually aware of that when you were reading science fiction as a younger person? I didn't pay a lot of attention to it. You know, when, when I was a kid, you know, I, I, I read things for fun and, and I thought a lot less about race than, uh, than I might have later on in life, you know, uh, especially for science fiction when people are, you know, on different planets and they're different, you know, they're alien races and they're, you know, there's, there's all kinds of difference. It was easy to imagine myself in the world. Uh, I had no idea that Samuel Delaney, for instance, was was a black man writing. You know, um, but uh, that that it 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 only it became important to me later because I understand how important uh, science fiction is for black writers and and other writers of color in America. Because in science fiction, to a great degree, you're imagining a few either a future or an alternative reality. So when 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 there you know since the past has already been taken from us, the 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 one thing that we can make sure of is that we exist in the future. Sure, sure. And and do you do you have that sense? Do you do you feel like there's a broadening in terms of um, uh, the writers and and what they're writing about? Oh, there definitely is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, well, as I mentioned earlier, you've written in a wide variety of genres, and I'm just curious, when, when you're working on a mystery, are you conscious of thinking, you know, I want to work on a science fiction story next after I finish this? Um, well, yeah, again, that depends. I, sure. I may have, if, I've, if I've made a deal with somebody that I'm going to write science fiction, <laughs> definitely I'm, I'm thinking about it. Um, I may have an idea of what I'm going to be writing next. You know, lately... You know, it, it's, I've kind of, you know, I do all kinds of writing, as you say, in, in, in different genres of, uh, of fiction. But, you know, right now I'm, I'm also uh, uh, thinking of or trying to write two different television shows, considering a film. Uh, I have a play that's going to be here in New York that I want to do a little bit of rewriting of. And I'm working on a musical based on my uh, uh, first published novel, Devil in a Blue Dress. So... There's a lot of things that I have to do, and so I'm thinking about them. So, oh yes, as soon as I finish this, I better write that script for you know parishioner or whatever, you know. And so, um, so yes, I'm I, very often I know what I'm writing next because I'm doing so many different things. Sure, sure. Well, you just mentioned film, and obviously there, there, you know, was the film version of Devil in the Blue Dress. Are are there any um, plans or discussions of of, of more Easy Rollins films? Well, I've been talking to uh, a, a person over at uh, NBC about trying to do an Easy Rollins series. It's very difficult, though, because, you know, it's period for one thing uh, and it's black for another. And, and you know, I, I know that there are a lot of people who will say, well, you know, uh, you know, we've kind of gone beyond race or stuff like that. But all you have to do is look at, uh, at television and see the number of TV shows that have a primary black protagonist. And. There's not many, I think two or three. Um, so, you know, out of like a thousand shows. So it, there's, it, there's, there's been a lot of difficulty with it. But, you know, we'll see. You know, I mean, I, I keep on trying. Luckily, I think that books are more important than film. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm always pleased that I can get the, bu- the books published. There's a new Easy Rollins, for instance, coming out in about, I think, in September uh, called Rose Gold. And I'm very happy about that. Sure. I, I was. I actually had a question about that. I, I'm curious. Can Can you tell us about Rose Gold, um, the next Easy Rollins? Well, you know, Easy is is uh, is uh, dawdling in the '60s uh, at, at this point in his career. Uh, this is a, a a very wealthy woman who's either been kidnapped 
or joined with a with a, a radical uh, uh, political group. And uh, the one thing we know about it is that a black man has been blamed for the kidnapping. Easy thinks that guy is innocent, and so he's taken the case to find the woman, but really he's trying to protect the guy uh, who supposedly has kidnapped her. And so that that's uh, so you know you get into that kind of political. Uh, moment in the in the 60s. Sure, sure. Well, well. last year you returned to your Easy Rollins series with the novel Little Green, and before that in the novel Blonde Faith, Easy had driven off of a cliff. I, I'm just curious, were you tired of the Easy series and, and character um, in Blonde Faith? I wasn't tired of Easy. I did feel at that time that um, I didn't have any really new ideas for easy. I was, you know, kind of rehashing the way he saw the world. And I know in, in, in the, in the genre, uh, that's the perfect thing to be doing, you know, just to, to present that character again and again, because people like that character. But for me as a writer, that wasn't so interesting. So I wanted to, to stop, but then, you know, four or five years went by and I realized, wait a second, there's, there's more stuff I can do here. Uh, and there's a different way I can look at it. And so once I, I thought that I started writing it again. And, and, and what was that kind of different idea or different approach that you felt like kind of opened it up again for you? Well, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like a passing on the baton in, in a race that um, I think the first segment, the first 10, 12 books in the Easy series were, were stories about my father's world. And I realized at one time that Easy was passing the baton from my father to me, uh, in starting in the late sixties, which would become my world. So I'm still writing about Easy Rollins, but Easy Rollins experiencing a lot of the life that I had experienced rather than the life my father had experienced. Sure. Sure. Well, well, earlier this year, and you mentioned it briefly earlier, your, your novel Debbie doesn't do it anymore was published. It, it was a sexually explicit novel about Debbie Dare, a black porn queen. Were, did you find there were any challenges to, to, to writing that novel? And, and did you encounter any difficulties in getting it published? I, I, I want to say that I don't think it's a, a sexually explicit novel. I mean, okay. there's, there's, expli there's explicit moments of sex in it. But, you know, if you compared it to, for instance, my book, uh, Killing Johnny Fry, it's not explicit at all. I mean, you know, Killing Johnny Fry is really a, a novel of erotica and even to a lesser degree, Diablerie. But uh, Debbie doesn't do it anymore is really a, 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 the dramatic experience of a woman leaving the, um, the uh, porn industry. Uh, and, and, and seeing what life life has to offer. And yes, I did have a challenge. The challenge was, I, it was it's the first novel I've written from a woman's point of view. And so that I think was, you know, I, I don't know so how much it challenged me, but it did scare me. Like, well, can I do it? Can I not do it? And, and I feel that I was successful in it. At least no one so far has said that I failed in it. That's great. And and I'm curious, given that, that you're writing from a female point of view, did did you have early readers who who looked at it to give you feedback? No, I, you know, I, I it's funny. Like you know, my my I'm, my my feeling about my writing is I need to finish what I wrote first, and once I finish it, I you know, and it was you know going through the process of you know getting published. People read it, and I wanted to hear what they had to say. If I made a mistake, if I did something wrong, I was willing to pay for it in public. Uh, and, uh, you know, but that didn't happen. 
Sure, sure. Well, I know that you've written a book about writing novels. This year, you write your novel. Right. What, what advice do you have for aspiring writers who may be listening who would like to one day have their own novels published? Well, they could read my book to begin with. And, sure. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the thing is, the thing about the book is this. Um, I say the most important things up front. The most important thing is that you write every day that you write every day on that subject, every day on your book, uh, not you know, in your journal, not in letters, not, not on a blog, but actually writing on the book, writing every day. And if once you've done that, if you spend 100 days writing every day, and that's every single day, no days off, I think that you will find that you've, you've gotten deeper into your work and that you're that all of a sudden parts of your mind are speaking to you that you didn't even know existed. And and what's that experience when you when you do have that kind of part of your mind speaking well, to you? Well, you know, it, it, all I can say is it's a deeper experience because it'll be different for every person doing it. Sure. So, um, you know, once once you get there, once you start doing the work, um, you will find something in yourself. What is that in yourself you'll find? I don't know. I don't know who you are. Sure, sure. So can you remember what it was like when you uh, wrote and had your first novel published? What, what was that experience like for you? Had you written a lot of fiction before then? No. You know, I, ca I came to writing very late. I was in my mid-30s. Uh, and uh, not long after I got there, I started... Um, um, you know, I started getting you know, published, which was, which is kind of wonderful. Um, I was really excited when I got the book published. However, I have to say that what was most important to me and what's always been most important to me is the experience of writing. And so uh, on one hand, the fact that I was getting published meant that my life was going to change in a certain kind of way, which was wonderful. But my life had already changed in a certain way because I was writing. And, and, and what, what was that process like for you when you, when you did start writing um, seriously for, for publication? Well, I, I, you know, I never was really writing for publication until mm -hmm. I got published. I, I wrote uh, uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. First, I wrote a book called Gone Fishing, which got published later. Then I wrote uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. Um, I gave it to a friend of mine. My friend gave it to his editor. His editor... Uh, called me and said, uh, I want to represent you. And then the book was published. It was a, it was a very simple um, movement. And I was happy with it. And, and you know, but I, I really want to say that, you know, I think I was, at that time, I was like, wow, this is great. This is it. This is where I've been. But as time has gone on, I, I've come to realize that the really important moment came before that when I was just writing for myself. And, and that's still what I'm doing, you know, because, you know, writing is a business. Anybody who gets involved in writing, the people who, who you write for are going to tell you what they want you to write. So unless they exist in your brain, like in Jack Strong, uh, they're probably wrong. But, they'll, you know, if they, if they feel that they're doing well selling your mysteries, they're not going to want you to write a romance and they're not going to want you to write a literary novel. They're certainly not going to want you to write a political monograph, you know. But, but the truth is, is what you have to do is you have to keep on writing for yourself. And uh, if, you, if, the, if the idea and the goal is to make a publisher happy or a reading populace happy, if that's the first thing that you're thinking, um, you may very well not be very happy as a writer. Sure, sure. 
Well, in terms of writing that first novel, Gone Fishing, can you can you uh, can you remember what it was like when you when you kind of got into the story and 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 was it you know did you know immediately like wow I've I've got something here that that's that's really exciting for me and that that's going to be good. Um, you know, it's an interesting question. I I wrote it and I liked it. I'm an only child, you know, I like almost everything I do. <laughs> uh, but I'm smart enough to know that other people might not like it. And and also, you know, um, I, I, the other day I, I, I teach uh, screenplay writing at Sundance, at the Sundance Labs in the summer and the winter. And uh, a, a person uh, at the labs asked, well, what, uh, how do you deal with rejection? And I think that's a really good question. And I told her, I said, well, you know, as a writer, if one out of a hundred people buys your book, you're a runaway bestseller. One out of a hundred people, you sold over a million books, two, three million books. Uh, the other 99 people could hate your writing. So all those other 99, so like if you talk to a hundred people, 99 of them reject you, only one accepts you, and that makes you a runaway bestseller. And so the idea of, you know, like people liking or not liking your work, uh, gets put into context in, in that way of thinking. Sure. Um, you know, so I, I don't usually worry that much about how many people like my work because I'm, I can be pretty sure most people don't. Right. Right. So, so, so what is, uh, you just mentioned your, your work in, in teaching screen screenwriting. Um, how, how different is that for you from, from writing narrative fiction? Well, you know, the, every, all kinds of writing are different. Uh, even the genres are different. You know, if you're going to write a Western or a mystery or a so-called literary novel, those are all different ways of doing it. Writing a, a screenplays is, is the most like writing poetry because you're writing in images. You're writing in, in visual, visual uh, representation. Um, what people say is a lot less important than what they see. Uh, how the, the, the film is edited is a very much a, a collaboration. Um, it's, it's, a, it's what you're doing is it's like it, as if you were uh, a master architect and now you only write blueprints. You no longer you know, go out and work building buildings. Sure. But, those, but those blueprints, those architectural blueprints are going to you know, stand for an incredibly you know, wonderful building, hopefully. You know. Sure. Have there been situations where you have written a screenplay and then later went back and turned it into a novel? No, 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 I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't even imagine doing such a thing. Okay. So, so over the years, what books or writers have inspired you or that you, that you come back to as, as inspiration? Well, you know, it's, it's an interesting notion. I, and I, and I, you know, I want, I want to, I have a very complex answer for that because, you know, okay. most writers, when you ask them, um, you know, who influenced them, they lie. You know, they, they, they mentioned the greatest writers that ever lived, you know, let's say Shakespeare, uh, Tolstoy, Melville, uh, you know, and, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, Toni Morrison, you know, they're just going to they're going to name the writers who they want you to think of them on a par with, you know. And, you know, that's almost never true. Usually it's, you know, Nancy Drew, or, you know, Tom Swift. It's uh, Winnie the Pooh. It's, it's, it's those things that you experienced earliest. Uh, and, and for writers, you know, when somebody says, you know, when I ask a writer, well, who influences them as a writer? Well, what influences me is the, is, the, is the political orientation of America or my experience of California and, 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 and black people moving up from the deep south. 
uh, when I think of the the literature that 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 most impacted me it's certainly marvel comics with uh, jack kirby who's not even a writer but the, he he did storytelling through images um that's that's i think the 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 thing that that people have to remember because you know people come and start coming to you and say well you know uh uh, your story reminds me of, uh, you know, Macbeth. I mean, if I have to live up to Macbeth in order just to write a novel, I'm going like, to shoot myself. And that's crazy, you know. But, um, but you know, but, yeah, I, I love Marquez. Uh, I love uh, Richard Wright. I love um, uh, Albert Camus. Um, there, there are writers who have really influenced me, and certainly science fiction writers like, you know, Roger Zelazny, uh, Brian Aldiss, uh, who I think are you know extraordinary and, uh, and and very important writers and who have have shown me what's possible. Sure. Well, are there are there any recent crime or, or science fiction novels that you've read and really enjoyed? Well, you know, I don't I don't read uh, crime at all. Okay. Because uh, I'm I'm afraid I'll, uh, sure, their, sure. their plots will uh, will will slink into my head, uh, and uh, you know. I, uh, I read the, the, the you know, I read, and I don't even know why, but uh, you know, Simon R. Green wrote the the series, the the, the night the Nightside series, the, yes. and uh, I just love that series. I just I just I I love the way he thinks uh, uh, in, in in a literary fashion, in in a language fashion. I love I love the the humor and, and the the way the stories move. I'm not even quite sure that they're exactly novels, but it doesn't really matter to me. The stories are so wonderful. I'm I'm willing to sit down and spend some time with them. Sure. Well, well, recently book publishing has been undergoing a a, a pretty massive transformation in terms of uh, e-books and 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 books available on digital devices, whether phones or iPads, etc. And I know that Jack Strong is published by Open Road Media. Do, does that kind of transformation of, of publishing do you, do you think about it very much does does it excite you that you know, it gives you another avenue of getting your work to a reading audience well it does give me another, another avenue for a very specific reason you know uh the publishing world uh has some rules which i don't, I don't even know where they come from or what they mean but like for instance uh, they only want to publish one book of yours a year uh if you push them really hard they'll do two now i write three or four books a year and so, you know, like I'm, I'm forever getting behind because I have books, you know, that are waiting for other books to get published. But it's, but when I, I can go to electronic media and say, well, I'd like to publish this book with you. And they say, oh, sure, great, let's do it. Because it's, <laughs> it doesn't really cost that much for them to do it. You know, they don't have to cut down any trees. They don't have to worry about distribution. Um, they just have to put it in electronic format and make it available on all, you know, the various different platforms. Uh, and so that's great. So, I, like, I'm doing, you know, at least two e-books a year. Uh, along with a couple of, uh, you know, uh, books uh, published solely on paper. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Walter Mosley. Mosley's latest novel, Jack Strong, is available now. And his new Easy Rollins mystery, as we discussed, Rose Gold, will be published in September. And Walter, thanks for doing this interview. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for talking. It's great. Sure. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.